makes a man Is it the power in his hands? Is it his quest for glory? Give it all you got to, to fight to the top So we can know your story But there's still some things in life that aren't for sale. Easy money comes and goes, but there is no satisfaction like the feeling of an honest day of work. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Don't you listen to that million dollar jerk. Oh, I love it. Look out, DiBiase attacking. Leave me Lanny out of there in a hurry. I'm low to the back drop. Look at the drop kick, a beauty. And another one, DiBiase down. And the million dollar man scooting out under the bottom rope. This is the Pro Wrestling Spotlight, presented by Hami Media and the Pro Wrestling Reflection, where we discuss the very best of the best in pro wrestling history. And what you gonna do when Hulkamania and the largest arms in the world revolve on you? The two soundest wrestlers in the World Wrestling Federation, maybe in the history of the World Wrestling Federation, are right here, right now. Mr. Perfect and the excellence of execution, the Hitman. WrestleMania weekend isn't complete without the heartbreak kid, and he is on his way. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. They think they got the answers. I change the question. You will rest in peace. Get used to it in Ric Flair. Who you're looking at the man.
Magnificent 70 Elite 8 to 99, the terrific 10, the essential 11. Well, don't lower that camera, TW. I don't want to see no dick pics here. No, 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 no. This is a family show. This is a family atmosphere. You know, I don't think Dino Destruction doesn't want to see the, the TW jewels. I know that Phil's got wood. Don't well, Phil's got wood, doesn't want to see your wood. Greenpeace don't want to see your wood. What you are doing it again? What the hell is wrong with you? No, this is. PG reflection nice PG. We're not doing that here. Don't worry. TW has his pants on. Because if, if he didn't, I actually would turn off the show. Neither here nor there. But welcome or welcome to the PWR podcast here at the PWS Networks at Podbeam.com. And welcome or welcome to the PWR Pro Wrestling Spotlight here at the PWS Networks at Podbeam.com. And I will talk about a we are gonna talk about a very special spotlight. It is so special. It is seven years in the making. It is so special. I think our executive producer extraordinaire, Big Ray Hernandez, has asked me to do this for so long. And I just put it off. Not because I didn't want to do it. It's just that, you know what? We, we, we had episodics. We had other spotlights. We had rivalries. We had a lot of other shows. And of course, we already did What If. But now, the time has come. It is a new year. It is 2020 dress. And we are doing the shows for the Reflectionists. We are doing the shows for you. But again, before I get into what we're going to do on the crust for the show, I must introduce myself because I am vain like that. And I have not moved my camera in one instance. I am so good at that. But I am the oh-so-charismatic one. I am the oh-so-stupendous one. I am the so-called magnanimous one. But I am so magnanimous. But most importantly, I am the only one and only. Glorious one. The only objective man in this IWC, YWC, PWC, under tree. The only objective man with the left, the right, the independence, and all points in between. Your friend of mine, the Professor Chabeva Cruz. And I'm not here alone to do this very special spotlight. I am here with my brother from another mother. I am here with the conservative liberal, liberal conservative, Dr. Frickenstein's own, dum 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 idiot's own, the Iron Stomach One, Mr. Wonderful, the Tommy Wonder. How are you doing, my friend? Did you pull up your pants? Have you adjusted your cameras? Are you ready to go for this PWR podcast? I, I don't know what's going on with the lighting, man. I don't know if it's because of the new uh, iPad, but I don't remember just doing it last week, but it looks like you are you are shining like Jesus Christ right now. So it's our oh that's what it right. is. Right, but the, when I turn when I turn the lamp on in the dark room, it looks like I'm being held captive. So I just went back to the regular light. Well, uh, I don't I don't see the Taliban behind you, so don't worry. No beheadings here. Again, this is a PG show. So damn, you put you are the fuck, Taliban fucking executions? I don't want to see that. It's nothing. Don't worry I, about I you. I want to so be terrible. that. I don't want to be that motherfucker. <laughs> I could see it. I don't care what you see. I don't want to be it. You are Ca- you were Calaver Cortez. You you was a gangster, so you already know how to do all this stuff. See, that's what you was trying to do, but then it, the camera was going so low. But anyway, oh, I wasn't trying here to do nothing. I was trying to get that dumb light out of the camera angle, but I, I don't know what happened. It's in the same place as a bigger iPad. I don't know. Anyway, 
So funny thing happened, right? So Travis listens to our show and we were talking the other day and I was talking about what I said to you, how I've really come full circle on, uh, I don't know if it's full circle, 180, 180. Full circle mm-hmm. means I liked him at some point. But I've come 180 on Dax. Is that the, the bald guy from, from the revival? Yeah. So I really like the dude. I think he's all hard. I think he has a passion for the business. I think he's all about providing for his family and all that mm-hmm. stuff. I said, but there's two things I have issues with. Is One is this tequila tasting every episode. It starts off with that. And Travis mm-hmm. goes... The tequila tasting for him is the uh, the unboxing for you and Professor. And I'm like, I said, hey, man, Big Ray likes it. So today, right before I came downstairs, so Travis wouldn't be bored as I was struggling to open them. Uh, these came No, no, no. It's not, it's not being bored. It's just because you make a lot of noise when you unbox. Right. You forget that. But these came in the mail today. Okay, it's a little foggy, but I see Dusty Rose on the right. Who's on the left? The rock. Oh, the rock. Oh, okay, cool. And but they're part of a bigger thing. This is probably as far as builder figures go. I've bought. Let's see. Mm-hmm. That one I liked everybody. I got a Becky Lynch, a, a Drew McIntyre, Warrior, and AJ to get Rick Rude. And the mm-hmm. other one I got AJ Austin, Brett, and Sean to get McMahon. That's a good one. But the Sean, China, Goldberg, and Tess for Paul Ellering. The Sean's awesome. The Goldberg's cool. The Test is the worst Test figure there ever was. And I didn't really want a China figure, but I since bought two more China figures. So I think it was cool that I got it. But this one is Build Mean Gene. And what a better four pack. Like, you can't argue these four. Mm-hmm. Macho King, Dusty, The Rock, and NWO Hogan. It'll be my second NWO Hogan. I have an NWO Hogan uh, Ultimate Edition. But I open those and I put them together and I put the Build a figure in the middle. So did the, the, the thing just move? Yes, it did. <laughs> uh, the, the, audio, the audio reflection eyes are missing what the video reflection eyes are going to get. Yeah, yeah. So we got to. I still look like uh, the Dungeon Master's boss, uh, Prince Ikea's dad, or King Luca, Ikea, whatever. I got to lose weight. Spoiler alert, reflection eyes. He's got a sex swing. I don't know why he put his camera phone on a <laughs> sex swing. But neither here nor there. But anyway, the. Un- well, I don't call it an unboxing. It's the. Uh, revealing of the elite collection, and it, it is a great elite collection. It is a whole thing. We're doing it live. It is a sex swing reflection. It, how the fuck is it going up? <laughs> the ghost. It, it is the ghost of Joe Biden. He is Biden, in your. You, you want to know the best part? The what iPad is, is not moving. It's the camera doing it. Well, when you move, the camera moves. Oh my God! Big Brother is watching you. <laughs> This is going to be a fun show, Reflection House. I'm loving it. I'm keeping it all in here. But anyway, it is an elite collection, Hall of Famers, icons, legends, and of course, it, it, TW, how much elite players you got? You can. So I got a wall. There's, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. So 19 per row, and there's four rows. And then the ones I open, there's 14 of them, but the Build-A-Figure makes 15 each. And then I got mm-hmm. one, two, three, four, five that I had to take off the wall to make room for new ones. I took you know, these, but It sounds like you got 100. Oh, dude. Oh Let's see. 20, Over 40, 60, 80. And then I got the Chases, 3, 6, 9, 12. 
And then I got a bunch of Adam Coles and stuff in the other room. Oh, there's well over 100, at least, yeah. for sure. Reflectionites, there's a job opening for you. Inventory, an inventory <laughs> clerk for TW's Wall of Fame. But neither here there we go. That's not counting the uh, I get, see, that's the, what I the say. basics. The, the behind even... me is the Funko Pops. Mm-hmm. But of course. Over here, the basics, I think I got probably 100 of those, too. And then I got the different special editions. I got the Ultimate Edition, which we're at, I think I got 30 of those. Mm-hmm. Well, again, TW needs an assistant for to keep an inventory check on his hall of fame wall of fame deletes the funkos and they're all in between so slide in the dms of the pwr podcast on the facebooks the pro wrestling reflection and submit your application for tw to be an inventory assistant we need to hear that but we must yep. do what we do best you must be female you must be hot you must be willing to dress in a French maid outfit. There or, you go. Nope, See? Nope, library. Library. He has, he's got, that's what the qualifications are. But anyway, let's talk about what we're doing here, TW. It is a very special pro wrestling spotlight. And it came up, you know, this show came up about within like a 24-hour span. It was suggested by our executive producer extraordinaire, Big Ray Hernandez. And I just said in a matter of minutes, yeah, let's do it. We are going to do a pro wrestling spotlight on, you know, the, the the most underrated people. This is not untapped potential, TW, but the most underrated, underappreciated group of people ever in the history of professional wrestling. And we're going to do it here on the PWR podcast. We are going to give them credence. We're going to give them the respect and admiration that they so richly deserve. We know that the boys and the girls in wrestling appreciate what they do. What these individuals did, but the fans don't. And we're going to give the fans a reason to appreciate them. So we are doing a spotlight on the greatest enhancement wrestlers of all time. And this is not a ranking reflection. We're not doing one to whatever. We're going to throw some names out the hat. Like Tian Coupon, I already know when this video is up, do not do the unbox. Do not open a box. I got to take these damn old man pants off with of the you, book of cheese, put them back. The, the worst room. thing you're going to do is open, try to open a box and the camera going to keep moving. I'm going to keep laughing my ass off. So you're going to have to stay <laughs> still. But anyway, Tia Kupana, you don't have to give me your list one through a hundred, but you can, you can leave some names. I know Donald Destruct has some names. I know Greenpeace has some names, but TW, you know, the fans don't appreciate the enhancement wrestlers. Their job was to make people like Hulk Hogan um, shine like a million bucks. Wait a people minute, Hulk like Hogan Rick would have to actually wrestle. It's not he did, he did wrestle. The the, he did wrestle the Tiger Chung Lees. Well, we'll get into that in a second, but you know what I'm saying. They had to make people like Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, the tag team champions, an intercontinental champion, the U.S. heavyweight champion, the top tier athletes look like a million bucks to keep that winning streak going. So what say you, why... You know, why do fans don't appreciate these guys and gals that are enhancement talents? They, you know, it might have been boring on the card to be there to see what was the inevitable. They were going to lose. But there was a reason for that. So, TW, explain to the masses, explain to the Reflectionites the value of the enhancement talent. The most, the most underrated thing that they did, right? What mm-hmm. what is the modern day wrestling fans' favorite thing? They don't watch matches for story. They don't they shit on gimmicks, but then like other gimmicks. It's weird. But the consistent thing that today's wrestling fan likes is what? 
the moves, mm-hmm. right? The spots. Without, en- without enhancement, guys, you have no idea what the finishing maneuver is. That was their basic role was to make you look good and to let everyone know what your signature moves were, what your finishing maneuver was. So every week when you saw Mr. Perfect beat somebody, he beat him with what? The perfect plex. So that when he finally got Hulk Hogan in the perfect plex, everyone's like, it's over. Except for Hogan kicks out, right? Mm-hmm. Or Cena kicks out or whoever. So it's they're very needed. And I think the number one reason people don't appreciate them now is because they're not around anymore. Because now the jobber is a guy that's just not getting pushed. And then every now and again, they'll have him wrestle another guy that's not getting pushed, get a win. So it looks like he's not always losing on main mm-hmm. event. And then he goes back or dark or elevation, whatever that those shows are called. And then all of a sudden they're back to job into the guys that are getting a push. So people don't understand guys who were career job guys. There's a few that, that made it that that got out of that pigeonhole. It was just asked to me last week, how come I never did the Atlanta runs when I started wrestling in 94? Because Scott Demore would take guys from our school in Canada down to Atlanta once a month, and they would be down there for three days, sitting poolside and wrestling three matches. A lot of times they'd get they they wrestle Friday night, Saturday night, and get Sunday morning off. Uh, mm-hmm. Other times they they wrestle Friday and Sunday night, get Saturday off, but got paid for all three days. And the reason I never did it is because I did. First of all, I was small, so I knew someone like the da- the Nasty Boys would basically try to fucking make a highlight out of me to put on. Uh, the opening credits, and and I didn't right. want that. And two, I didn't want to be labeled a job guy because that's what you got labeled back then. But looking back, there's so many guys that made a living doing it, right? I don't know what they're mm-hmm. doing now. They're probably fucking unloading trucks somewhere. But you know, no, not necessarily. Let me let me just say this. I will retort back on that because the value of the job guy. Well, I don't want to call it a job guy. The enhancement guy. Let's just say with the 80s and early 90s. We let's go with that time frame. They were they were employed to right. a degree. They were booked heavily. They were on WWF Superstars. They were on WWF Wrestling Challenge. They were on WCW Saturday Night. They were on World Class in the, on ESPN. They were on AWA in the, on ESPN. They were booked all over the country to do what? Take the pin, to count the lights. So they, I'm not saying they were going to get their millionaires, TW, but they can consistently get booked. They can consistently get money and to, to a degree to some of the job guys. And we'll get, you know, we'll throw some names out of the hat reflection ice in a couple of minutes. They made a living out of that. They, 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 they kept their money. They didn't do the drugs. They didn't do the part. Well, some, maybe some of them did the parting, but they rationed the out. Well, you got the names, but I'm just going to say some of the job guys were very frugal because, again, you don't know what's going to happen in wrestling. And, of course, you, you never know how a booker is going to look at a job guy. You don't know how a booker is going to say, well, I don't think I need you because I need to do this. And another thing, be, besides being booked heavily, TW, you even said it with the Mr. Perfect thing. I just want to give it – I want to elaborate it a little bit more. What is – what is missing in today's wrestling? What is missing in today's AEW and WWE shows? There is no enhancement matches because every match has got to be a main event. Every match has got to be a storyline. Every match has got to be what? Competitive. So you are right, TW, because a, a guy or girl right now who's going to be enhancement or job person is not pushed. Is you know, It's just toiling around getting TV time 
That's the only thing if you can that. do. If that, if even much. Getting time. so TW, what say you about the glory days of the enhancement wrestler being booked everywhere and keeping like, like let's say the Mr. Perfect Hulk Hogan match on Saturday night's main event means something because you had a lot of job enhancement matches before getting to that main event match on Saturday night's main event. Um, it's funny because I was looking at my figures the other day and like this, I don't know how the hell in the modern day this has happened, but I was putting edge back in with my active wrestler spot, you know, where I have the retired spot and the guys that are still wrestling. And until he hangs them up again, he's you active. Mean, you mean Damien Stryker. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Sexton Hardcastle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because of job matches and they still had them kind of. Uh, when I first started out, um, obviously they had them because Atlanta, but they started going away once Raw started. Um, but like I'm looking at Edge and I put him next to Goldberg or uh, Brock, and I went, those two have never fought each other. Like in a world that's had Randy Orton and John Cena fight 172,000 times, somehow Edge has never crossed paths with Brock. Now, granted, Brock went away for years, came back while Edge was gone. But they've been around for the last three years together and still have never crossed paths, right? Mm-hmm. Um, are, just, you, are we sure about that, or you just didn't see it? Maybe they might have crossed paths in two thousand two. I've never, I've never seen at least a program. That's that's what I mean. I don't mean. Mm-hmm. Um, I, man, what the fuck is my tape? Uh, oh, there it is. I don't. I. But, but what I'm saying is, that's a rare example of back in the day. Hogan and Orndorff wrestled three times, right? Whereas mm-hmm. in the modern day, that would be this month on Raw. They would have wrestled each other with a partner, a singles match that went wrong, and then a pay-per-view match, right? They would mm-hmm. have wrestled each other three times in the span of two two months. And so because you had job guys, you didn't have to do that. You could have Hogan wrestle a job guy. He never did. And then Orndorff do a run-in, and that was their touching each other, right? And then they didn't have to wrestle each other. They just crossed paths by interfering in a match. Macho Man costing the Warrior the title. And then Warrior wrestles Macho Man at WrestleMania and Slaughter wrestles Hogan instead. But they set that up by having run-ins and stuff like that. And that's what them job matches did. They either went clean without a hitch and the guy would lose in five seconds. Or if it got dragged out every now and again, one, two, three kid, he started out as a job guy. Pin Razor Ramon because some either he caught him out of nowhere or another guy came out to distract him. They still do that today. Someone will mm-hmm. distract him, but it'll be another name, and you'll lose to a name who you probably wouldn't have lost to otherwise, but you did because you got distracted. So when you, you had job you can't, guys, yeah, you can enhance a storyline, and you have some, you had a good formula, and you're saying it because and you, let, you the, still had a build up to the actual match. Yeah. It wasn't the fucking 90th time you've seen him wrestle. Right. You and let things marinate. Reflection. Yes. That's the, and that's, that's what I hate word. about today is just like every pay-per-view is is a match that you've seen. Like just what we were talking about before we started recording. Um, I don't even know what happened in their first match. But Braun wrestled uh, Waller, Grayson Waller, on Saturday in the cage. And it was their second match. They had a bunch of run-ins before they had that first match, but I don't remember how that first match ended. Um, well, it was a, it was the the ring and uh, fuck up. The the ropes broke, and they used okay. that as a storyline okay. to get to the cage match. Gotcha. So it was probably work. But um, mm-hmm. but the point is, they only wrestled each other twice. I would say they're done now. Um, I like that. Wall, Waller did a lot of shit talking and running. 
Brown mm-hmm. came out to him running, so they didn't cross paths until they had that match. The ropes broke, and then they had a match, whatever. But in the meantime, Braun beat some fucking guy that's not going over anytime soon, and Waller probably beat somebody who who is, but it. You know what I mean? Like yeah, said, or or like sport. you said, they they do the run-ins and do the, the interviews and stuff like that. So right. With that being said, Reflectionites. Let's, you know, name some names, drop some names in the hats for all the Reflectionites. And if you have some names to think about Reflectionites that we might have missed, leave those comments on the PWR Reflection Facebook fan page. Leave your comments on the YouTubes so we can all enjoy the what was the most underappreciated job in professional wrestling. And the first name is not about, it's, again, TW, it's not about number one, but we have to at least recognize this one. He passed away a week or so ago at the tender age. What was it? 68, 69 is very young. He would have been 69 this year. He would have been 69 this year. Which would have been a fitting age for him to go out on with his reputation. Yes. Well, (laughs) this man is Jeff Lipman's favorite wrestler. And that's an inside joke. And only Jeff Lipman knows about that. And his wife knows about that. But (laughs) we are going to talk about first Leaping Lanny Poffo, a.k.a. The Genius. And T.W., this is actually a funny one here, too, because at first, Leaping Lanny Poffo wasn't considered an enhancement guy in Angelo Poffo's ICW. He was not considered an enhancement guy in the Memphis territories with Jerry Lawler and Jerry Jarrett. Him and Macho Man were very you know, prevalent together as a brother tag team. They were top heels when they was needed. But for some strange reason, Vince McMahon only saw dollar signs with Macho Man Randy Savage. We know why, and he was right. But when he looked at Lanny Pavo, he didn't see the same thing. So what did he do? I don't know if Vince McMahon did this or Leaping Lanny or Genius, whatever you want to call it. He kind of like effeminate, what's the word, effeminate himself. Because the leaping Lanny gimmick, you know, he was he was very feminine in his character. Not not gay reflection. I'm just saying, but he was very feminine with the flips and doodads and stuff like that. He had the frisbee, and of course, he was a poet laureate. But on wrestling challenge, on superstars, at Madison Square Garden house shows, at the Detroit house shows, what did Leaping Lanny do? He was the first or second on the card, and he always lost to the bad guy, TW. And then, of course, we could say in 1989, they gave him a gimmick, and he genius. flourished. He was the genius. He was, again, he was, yes, he was a, po- a poet laureate, a graduate of, I don't know, Harvard or Stanford or whatever the case may be, wore the cap and gown, but he was a he was a, a egomaniac son of a bitch. He was an elite. more of a manager. He was more of a manager. But he, but and he managed uh, Mr. Perfect. Perfect. But yeah. what say you about, you know, and again, rest in peace, rest in power to Leaping Lanny Popple. So what say you about the contributions of Leaping Lanny Popple and the maturation? Because again, like I said, you go from the highest of highs in the Southern Territory. I don't Do you want to say the lowest of lows to being, you know, the jobber? And then maybe you know, teetering. I, I, I think he was a guarantee guy because he was always on. You'd have other job guys that you wouldn't see sometimes. like, But you had other guys that you saw every week. Every week they lost mm-hmm. somebody. Every week they were on there. Um, but Lenny Poffo got mic time. He had basically had a gimmick. He was leaping Lenny Poffo, and he had his Frisbee, and he would throw it to the crowd or whatever. Um, I think, and I've heard this over the years. I'm sure of it. I don't think I'm making this up in my head. It was a package deal. To get Macho Man, you had to bring his brother. And he, and that's yeah, why Lanny was there. 
mm-hmm. they probably were like, all right, but he's losing. You know, we're not pushing him. Uh, but mm-hmm. that was kind of the endearing thing for him was like. His brother looked out for him. Macho Man well, looked no, out no, for no. him. No, no, no. The endearing thing was is. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw another name out there for you. Um, Iron Mike well, Sharp. Well, I would wait, wait, no, 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 don't don't com- don't combine the names. Let's just focus on Lanny. Well, I'm just gonna say the- I'm just gonna say what, what what these two have in common. Even mm-hmm. though he was a job guy, the two guys that you thought were gonna win every week, like you thought, holy shit, he's gonna beat this guy, was Babyface, was Lanny, and heel was Larry Sharp or Iron Mike Sharp. You thought they were going to win. Like, you, you were like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, you rooted against Sharp, but you rooted for Popo. And and I told you before we recorded, I was going to try to find a match, but I ended up not having time to. But uh, earlier today or last night, it was late last night, Ray sent us that the opening where it was Popo versus DiBiase, where Popo was bumping DiBiase all over the place. And, and you just hit the nail on the head. They probably knew each other from Mid-South. They probably mm-hmm. knew each other from Lawler. Um, and that was the thing. A lot when I did that WCW show uh, in Dayton, Ohio, Frankie Lancaster and Canyon was nobody yet. Me, Rhino, and uh, Demore. Uh, Frankie Lancaster, I, dude. More people talked to him than anybody else there because he was a career job guy, right? Like mm-hmm. some of these dudes are his friends. Like so, DiBiase, I think in that match with Poffo, probably gave Poffo a bunch of stuff. Because they were buddies, you know what I mean. Instead right. of squashing them like the honky tonk man would have done, or somebody like that. But Popo every week, I, I I still embarrassed to this day. I'm almost 50 years old. I'm almost embarrassed to admit this. Every week, I had no idea. When I saw those guys in the ring, I did not know they're going to lose. I still thought there was a chance they would win. And Lenny Popo, top of the list well, for those guys. Well, you know what? Let's just use Popo. He was the first in the ring. He didn't get an entrance. Right. So that that show, that's unless that, it was on Prime Wrestling at Madison Square Garden. You're like, no, 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 it, no. I I watched that on MSG Network. He would walk into the ring, and then you know it would be the high camera angle with the fans. Then you know someone is walking down the ring. Then he gets in the ring. Then they focus him. He never got the intro. So number well, one, number two, you're right. Lanny Poffo before the genius thing did have a gimmick. With the po- with the poetry and the frisbees, so he had a hook. And you're right too that he was the the one jobber that can lose to let's say Paul Orndorff, but can beat Iron Mike Sharp right. in the same house show because right. he would get that kind of win. So yeah. that, there is there's a little tip for tat with leaping Lanny Popo with that gimmick. Again, very athletic in the WWF. He did the drop kicks, he did the flips and dips and do's, but then in '89. Maybe he had a back injury in, in 90. He kind of went into that managerial role with the Beverly Brothers and Mr. Perfect. Maybe there was an untapped potential manager extraordinaire. He could have been, but neither here nor there. But the genius gimmick, his highest uh, match that I can remember as the genius gimmick, he got a match with Hogan. Yeah. And he won. He beat Hogan by count out with the help of Mr. Perfect. Right. But again, Neither here nor there, but I just want to give credence. Uh, I just want to I want to point out one little thing, a little, little nod to last week's episode. Uh, uh-huh. Both of those people, three people total, but the people that uh, Jenny, Lenny Poffo managed were all what? AWA guys. Oh, yeah, very true. 
Yep. I thought you were gonna say Barry White, but and that's also. Oh, they were also there. Yeah, they <laughs> yeah. were also there. Yeah. yeah he, he, no, like, no color. Like ninety-three percent of the business back then. Yeah. yeah. Of course. You know, <laughs> Black History Month. It's Black History Month reflection night, but he didn't manage black people. He was racist, but neither here nor now. He would have managed Bad News Brown. He would have. Yes, he would have. But neither here nor there. So you know, we want to give credence to Lanny Poffer. Rest in power to Lanny Poffer. And then let's talk about another one here, the most decorated. Enhancement wrestler of all time, TW. He had a career in the WWF that spawned for like 35 years. He started as Steve Lombardi, but he he the evolution of the get of the gimmick, he became known as the Brooklyn Brawler. Steve Lombardi was a patriarch of the enhancement guys. Again, yep. in the early championship wrestling shows, wrestling challenge, he start he was the first or second. And, you know, the funny thing before the Brooklyn Brawler gimmick, he's maybe you could say he can like lay low in the weeds. You wouldn't recognize him in a, in a police lineup because he wore like the purple trunks. He had a he, he might have had a hip toss in a match against, uh, let's say, Mr. Wonderful or Roddy Piper. He gets a hip toss in. But after that, he gets destroyed. Yep. But then he gets. Give, you know, I guess, you know, you could say years of, uh, of attrition, years of doing the job. He gets a gimmick from Vince McMahon. He gets a big program for WrestleMania 5. The Brooklyn Brawler is born. He fights the Red Rooster. No matter what, he has his WrestleMania moment, TW. But, yeah. of course, everybody remembers him with the, with the, with the, with the ball cap, the, the torn shirt, the Yankee symbols somewhere. Cigar. And smoking a cigar. And that gimmick worked more. And and again, now he fights the good guys. He gets a little bit. He, does, he doesn't do the hip tosses. No, he could do the eye rakes. He could do the stomps. Hogan he gets boots. a little bit more. Right. He he looks. <laughs> he also looks like Iron Mike Sharp. Will he win or won't he win? Will he right. cheat or won't he cheat? So what's saying yeah. about the maturation of Steve Lombardi, a.k.a. the Brooklyn Brawler? Well, you're forgetting that he got put with Bobby Heenan. Like, that's going from the outhouse to the penthouse. Like, he's mm -hmm. a Heenan. For the rest of his life, he can tell people I was a Heenan family member because he was. Yeah. We think of Stud. We think of Bundy. We think of Orndorff. We think of Perfect. We think of um, Luger, Rude, and then Brooklyn Brawler and Red Rooster. Uh, and I believe... What happened was Terry Taylor came in, got made the Red Rooster, turned on Bobby, and he goes, you know what, I'm going to pluck another job guy and make him. All of it felt like a rib to Terry Taylor, by the way, which also meant a rib to me because that was my favorite guy, and he comes to the WF and just is garbage, right? But I got his figure right there. Are, are you bringing in a conspiracy theory for Terry Taylor? I think Terry burned some bridges somewhere in yeah. the years in the past, but but he's still in the WWE to this day, off and on with Impact, off and on with WCW. Um, but Brooklyn Brawler was also Abe Knuckleball Schwartz, and I wrestled him because he was one of the three doinks. It was Matt Bourne, uh, the other job guy, Apollo, and in in Lombardi. Oh, and then yeah. Steve Kern, four doinks. But I wrestled the Steve Lombardi version of doink in Canada. Oh, wow. Yeah. And what happened? How, how long did that match go? Uh, we went we went a while. I got moves in. We did the yay boo spot, the yay boo spot. Mm -hmm. He called everything. He's a good guy, man. He's got reputations for stuff. He's you know, probably slid in your DMs a couple times, but he lives here in Livonia, Michigan. Uh, he helps run a school up here, and mm -hmm. uh, he's he's got friends as well as enemies in the wrestling business. I've never had a problem with him, um, but he uh, 
You didn't know he was a doink? No, I knew he was a doink. Oh, I just okay. said, how was the match? I, I just oh, That I was a good match. He finished huh. me off with the whoopee cushion. Uh, <laughs> it was at the Blue Water Festival in, in Sarnia, Ontario, I believe. Or and, I you know, did not, and you did not mind taking the pin. I did the job for a job, guy. So there that? you go. See, th Some there's the logic. Some See, you showed the appreciation for the contributions of a Brooklyn brother, of yeah. Steve Lombardi. You know, that is what the wrestling business is all about, Reflection Nights. What TW did for the Brooklyn world, showing his appreciation. The best way to do it is to have him get the win. That's, yeah. that's what I'm trying to say. So yeah. for fans who are not appreciative of the enhancement, guys. So let me like do a little curveball here. I'll get back to the WWF in a minute. But I want to at least say this one because it's in my brain right now. There was a tag team in the NWA in the 80s. They, I don't know if this was a rib, but it, it had to be because Mokey Mania was running wild. You knew, I guess I was going with this. So oh, I, I thought you were going with the other ones, which I think were also the Monkey Brothers. Not, well, they could have been the Monkey Brothers. You ain't the Ding Dongs yet. But you, <laughs> if you want to combine the two, go ahead. If that's your conspiracy theater. But I have to give credence to the Monkey Brothers. They got their asses whooped on Saturday night by the Road Warriors. They got their asses whooped by the Midnight Express. They got their asses whooped by, like, the powers of Paul Jones' army. I know that much. But there was one time. One time. It's like the Little Giants, T.W. Remember that movie? They're like, one time. One I forgot who they beat. But they got that one win. And center stage went crazy. And Mulky Mania was born. So I just want to give credence what, so so it's funny you would say that because what do they have in common with me? They're little that? dudes and they mm -hmm. just got punished down there and it and that was the thing like but know, but look wait hold your thought for a second I just want to say this about the Monkey Brothers because what they did is the example when I'm I'm saying reflection nights they made the heels look like a oh, million bucks they made because you fear they the road warriors they made you fear the powers of pain because they took the bumps. That's what I wanted to say. Go ahead, T.W. I'm sorry. Yeah, Go ahead. Yeah, and 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 again, I, I, they weren't the reason. I just already knew. But that's the thing. Like, so if you want to talk about, like, for all the shit people give Vince McMahon, if you want to talk about the difference in Atlanta and New York, if you will, because Demore every now and again would take guys and do New York jobs, too, in New York. Um, mm -hmm. And so the difference was the enhancement guys in New York were treated like peers, the enhancement guys in Atlanta were treated like props. And again, other than the guys that have been doing it so long, it's almost like there's there's an old thing in the wrestling business. You talked about it last week with the AWA episode about Hulk Hogan getting his leg broke. A lot of the old timers, they just put it to people because they don't want them in the business, right? Like, unless mm -hmm. you prove yourself. So if they beat the piss out of you and you come back, they're like, all right, I respect you. But my problem has always been, I don't get to beat the piss out of you back. But Johnny Canine, Bruce Bedlam, rest in peace, rest in peace, he told me, look, man, I'm coming at you like this. If you don't take it, you're never getting it again. What he meant was this right here was my chance to hit him in the stomach and get my offense in. It wasn't going to be much, but that's mm -hmm. the only place he's given it to me. And if I don't take it, it's never coming again. And by never, he means ever. If we ever wrestle each other again, he's not giving it to me. And he didn't mean me. He was telling a group of us that, right? right. He was telling people, look, man, you got to look at the, the psychology, right? Yeah. If you see that Guy, symbol, just get guys your will offense eat in. you up if you don't if you don't take it, and then they won't. That, that's all they'll see you as. It's just a pushover that they can eat. You know, you can eat eat them up. And and so uh, 
I that that but that's the other thing about WCW that I would like better is WCW job guys got and I don't that's a term of endearment for me. So when I'm calling them job guy, I'm not calling them jobbers. I'm calling them mm-hmm. job guys. Uh, or as as Travis's favorite term is a good hand. That's what these guys were. There were there were job guys that people were like I want him. Like you know obviously Perfect can't wrestle Lombardi every week. But if he could, he wants Lombardi. At a house show, he wants Lombardi, you know, if he's doing a job match. Uh, because the guys had respect. And in WCW, Saturday night, man, there would be one match that was like Ric Flair versus Ricky Morton. The rest was all squash matches, but you still thought it was competitive, right? Because they got offense in. Whereas on WWE, I mean, go back on YouTube and look at the opening of Superstars and Challenge. And oh, it's just one job guy after another. I remember now the Monkey what? Brothers. Since we were talking about the Monkey Brothers for a second, yeah, yeah, their win was against the Gladiators, another oh. team I never heard of, but they got the win. It, I knew it was one time, but I forgot right. the name the name of the team. So go ahead, TW. And I guarantee you that crowd probably thought the Gladiators were the new tag team in town that were going to get the push. And then when they lost, they were like, "What the fuck? All right!" And it was mm-hmm. a it was a hat tip to the Monkeys, also to the crowd, because if the crowd popped for it, the crowd wanted it, and so. But 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 the monkeys, man, they they were the guys that were so little that they just got fucking killed, man. And it was, you know, and they probably took it like champs, put some ice packs on their shoulder and collected their money. Cause I know back in ninety four, ninety five when I got offered to do it, well, I don't even know mm-hmm. if I ever got offered. I, I got so, told it's coming. TW, let, let, let me say this and see if you agree with this. With the Monkey Brothers, and then we'll yeah. talk about other people in a second. Yeah, yeah. The Monkey Brothers, you felt empathy for them. Yes. It hurt. You did yeah. not care that they were one in 99 because right. it's like their glass <laughs> Joe of Mike Tyson's punch out. Right. But who beat me? The, the record times. didn't the record meant, wins and losses meant nothing. You just wanted to make sure you just said it. You just want to make sure that they were OK, that yeah. they could go on for the next week. Do you feel that same way that I'm saying? Yeah. With, with the Monkey Brothers. Yeah. When you saw him, you're like, oh, they told the story without telling the story. Say a prayer. Say a prayer for him. Here they go. Right. All right. They, they survived last week. They're here again. All right. Let's hope they survived this week. But that, that's yeah. how good. And I still I still think they were the, the ding dongs. I think the monkeys were the ding dongs. TW with conspiracy number two here on the PWR podcast. Oh, He's going to keep fucking Wikipedia. He's lamb on. So now let me name another, let's say, enhancement guy, a job guy. Let me go back to the WWF. In the early 80s, you know, TW, I, I have to disagree with you saying that, you know, L- Lanny Poffo got the most offense or even Iron Mike Sharp. This guy got a I, lot. No, I said he got offense. I didn't say he got No, no, the no. Most. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. This guy got a lot of offense. I'm not saying the most, but we cannot forget SD Special Delivery Jones. Click, click. Because he always did that when he got introduced. He always gave that that sign. You know, I don't know who it was. It might have been to his wife. Could have been to his kids or whatever the case may be. But SD, especially Lee Jones, didn't really say much. He got right. at least a, he got a line in one of the uh, in the in the music album, the Rustler music album. He got to sing a song. So you know, I forgot what. Um, what was the the land of a thousand dances? SD Special Delivery Jones sang a tune in that in that album. But anyway, TW. He got a lot of offense in. I remember, I think he fought, I, maybe it was Mr. Wonderful Orndorff, maybe it was Piper, maybe it was Dr. D's David Schultz. But, you know, remember the Coliseum home video? He had the sunset flip intro. I forgot who he did it to, but he had a match where people were like, oh, shit, 
Special delivery might win. Special <laughs> delivery might win. Like you was talking about. Did, somebody did he might... have a match at WrestleMania one or two? Well, I, again, I, I'm going to say that too. Oh, okay. Hey, he also has a record too. <laughs> he has a it, moment. It, it, last, it, lasted a, it lasted for a long time until, until Kane beat the record. But King Kong Bundy had the legitimate rest. Legitimate record of being SD Special Delivery Jones in nine seconds. It was eclipsed by Kane with seven seconds, but neither here nor there. But it lasted for a fucking 30 WrestleMania CW. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Who, who got beat in seven seconds? Kane. Kane won in seven seconds against no, Charles no, SD Jones. Who are you saying beat him? King Kong Bundy. I thought Jake the Snake beat George Wells to set the record. No, it was, it was, it was, it was Bundy. Bundy. It was hey, Bundy. They, yeah, yeah. It was their uh, revisionist history that Bundy had the record for all those years, and then Kane eclipsed it. I forget what, what WrestleMania, but it took about 20 to 30 WrestleManias. Chavo. Oh, man. For the, for the ECW title. This was like in the 2000s, like Poor late Chavo. 2000s, early 2010s. I, but what say been, you? I have been proven wrong. The, the Ding Dongs were a tag team known as the Rock and Roll Rebels. Greg Evans, that's by the way the name of the dude oh. that played BJ and BJ and the Bear, and Richard Sartain. I feel like I should they know the name. From they came from. I think they came from the Championship Wrestling from Alabama, where Gordon Soley was in the late eighties. Yeah, that might have been them. But what say you about Special Delivery Jones, TW? Big fan. He has an LJN figure, and it has a chase. There's two different Hawaiian shirt versions of SD Jones, and I think they go for quite a bit of money. Uh, he died within the last few years. Uh, maybe five now or so but just just like again he's a guy you rooted for every week you were like hey man i i want this guy to go over you don't know it in those terms but you just thought he had a fighting chance like like Popo. funny thing is is getting back to Popo. i always remember Popo as a heel but it's because of the genius right mm -hmm. he was a baby face uh but sd jones he did the the bang bang before mick foley stole the shit from him um right just a real, like, gentle giant. I don't think he was on the wrestling cartoon, but he would have been a guy perfectly drawn to fit in on the wrestling cartoon. Because he had that, like, I don't want to say, because it makes it sound old, but he had that, like, like cool older dad or cool mm -hmm. grandpa kind of aura to him where kids would like him. Again, and for Reflectionize, for S.D. Jones' career, again, being an enhancement guy, who did he beat? He beat the Iron Mike Sharps. He beat yep. the Brooklyn Brawlers when he got the chance, or the Steve Lombardis yep. when he went into the heel mode. You know the funny thing, T.W., before we talk about if you have any special Delivery Jones memories, but there is a brotherhood with the job guys because while they lose to the top-tier guys, again, the first or second match, they fight each other so yeah. they can collect some wins and losses and get some yeah. heat between each other. So what say you about which, that, which, that which logic? Which is probably done so that the people there think, oh, these guys do win sometimes. Because otherwise you're going to get to the point and go, why are they even booking these guys? Oh, it's the bait and switch because at least yeah. if they win against one of the job guys, then you can – oh. But you're not going to put that won. on TV 90% of the time because you don't want to waste the spot when you got to be introducing a new guy, setting up a new uh, angle or, or a Piper's Pit in the place of a match, stuff like mm -hmm. that. But but I do remember that, going to all them Cobo Hall shows, going to the Joe Louis Arena shows. The opening Sometimes the opening two matches were job guy versus job guys because I remember when I first got into business, uh, Demore or Mickey told me some of those guys went on the loop. Like they weren't just on TV getting squashed. They were on the tours and getting, mm -hmm. they weren't getting paid Hogan money. Um, right. But back then you paid for your own room. You paid for your own uh, transport. But if they're working 
three, four, five nights a week, those guys made a good living because I was starting to tell you earlier, down in Atlanta, if we, if I would have went down there, you got paid a buck fifty a day, so you would get a buck fifty for three days, so you would get four hundred fifty dollars, and then they usually give you a day off. So you're making four fifty a week in the nineties. That was good money. That was. You know, that's almost two grand a month, and you damn sure didn't tax it. You did, they gave it to you in an envelope, man. You, there's probably some dudes wanted for tax evasion to this day, but my probably. one time working for WWE, I had to sign some shit. I never got a 1099. I was mad because I had plans. I was going to frame that 1099 because it was my last match until I mm -hmm. came back. Um, right. But it was my last match, and they just handed me 250 bucks, and that's what you got paid in 2005 was 250 a day right actually i think the 250 was because it was survivor series normally you were getting 200 so if you did a triple shot like wcw did you would get 600 bucks that's still good money well you know what i love i asked you about sd jones and then you go to 2005 with yourself you always bring it back to yourself you always bring it back to yourself he was a guy that got matches like you just said and he was i'm saying sd probably made some money of course. He probably was making a buck fifty a night for five nights a week. That's seven hundred fifty a week. I love messing with you because when you go on your harangue, and then I'm like, you just made me think I didn't talk about SD. And I'm like, oh, I just said the, the cool shit about SD, man. I know, I know. I just, I kid reflectionist. I kid. I always want to make sure. But they always had, they always had at least, like you said, one jobber versus jobber match. And again, I don't say jobbers is a disparaging thing. Mm -hmm. uh, those guys. Shit, we're talking about them in 2023. So obviously they did more for the business than I ever did. So uh, it ain't no insult for me. Just like calling a fan of Mark is, first of all, mostly it's fans that call each other Marks, and which is cute in its own right. But it's it's you ain't doing none of this without fans. So anybody Absolutely. insulting a fan is an idiot, and they're probably mm -hmm. not in the business very long if they're if they're in it at all. Um, but but SD Jones. Absolutely, if I could get my hands on that action figure. I want to say they came out with an SD Jones, either Mattel or Jax came out with one of them too. So um, right now, I, um, you mean you mean in the eighties? He didn't get a he didn't get an action figure in the eighties. That's yes, he fucking did. There's a Chase version of it. No, a, it got it, it was the two thousands. It was he I'll never got you, it in the early. I edition. will bet you money. I, I, I don't remember. A, I don't see it. If maybe you're I'm right, that's a collector. Then that's there's, a collector. There's an SD Jones figure with a, I think a blue Hawaiian shirt and one with a yellow Hawaiian shirt. And the yellow Hawaiian shirt was the hard one to find. Did and that get made in '85 or '86? That would be worth it a lot of money. It might have been '89. It might have been '89, '90 okay. when they were tail ending of LJN. Hold on, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to pull it up for you because I promise you, SD Jones had two LJN figures right here, buddy. Whoops. Mm-hmm. Well, your, 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 yeah, your, your iPhone camera makes it like blurry, but I will take your word for it. The reflection ice will take your word for it. I again I don't I don't collect uh action figures reflection ice. So yeah, I it's go red, red and yellow versions. Mm-hmm. And that was way what year? That's what I'm just saying. That was made in what, eighty um, nine? If, if it was 89, uh, it that's the say. thing because I don't remember in the, in the heydays of the rock and wrestling, he did not have an action figure. I know I remember Hogan, I remember but uh, Stud, I remember Iron Sheik and stuff like and Snucker. I just don't remember him as part of that 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 class. That's all he I'm had, just saying. I'm not saying that. Oh, okay, so there you go. So that should be you a lot of money for that, should be a lot of money for the collectors. So you know, get your hands on an SD Jones. Because that is worth money. 
Well, not oh Mercedes Monet. But I just saw one for it. seventy bucks, but I also saw. Man, I turned my damn Wi-Fi off, so now my phone's not working down in his basement. Well, neither here nor there. Let's move on, Reflectionize, to another one. So, before I'll get TW a pick in a second. So I'll go one more time, TW, and then think of think of a jobber for yourself. Okay, who is it's that? Fifty oh, that's bucks. It. All right. So I have to at least give credence to another. I guess, I guess this duo. They are the Young Stallions, pretty Paul Roma and Jim Powers. They were toiling as singles guys. Paul Roma, well, you know what? For experienced wrestling fans, Paul Roma will tell you his shit don't stink, and he didn't really realize why you know everybody hated him. They were they were they were afraid of the Paul Roma experience, if you will. Jim Powers, just like T Volts would say, Pastor T Volts, a good hand. But I don't like it. I never liked his matches because his punches look weird. But anyway, in 1987, they got they got booked together to be the Young Stallions. They stole Jimmy Hart's theme song and they got it for themselves. And fun fact, if you don't remember this, <laughs> they were the sole survivors in the inaugural tag team Survivor Series match. It was them and the Killer Beast. That was their biggest moment ever in the WWF. So what say you about Pretty Paul Roma, TW, and Jim Powers? Because, you know, they went on to the 90s. Paul Roma was a horseman. So he, right. you know, the evolution of him. Jim Powers, you know, toiled around in WWF, WCW. You know, he did his thing. Again, he's a good hand. So what say you about the, the maturation, the evolution of both of the so, young stallions? So as fate would have it, when I started wrestling, I did have favorite job guys, not knowing they were job guys. Uh, mm -hmm. Jim Powers, number one. He was at the top of the list. I thought that dude was a star. I thought he was a million bucks. Um, they dressed uh, very similar to the Brain Busters in the, in the red and white boots and the and the red. Paul Roma might have switched when they started being a team. I think he wore mm -hmm. black sometimes. Yeah, he but wore then black. Paul Roma, Paul Roma came out, and I'm like, man, this guy's good, too. I think what Paul was missing, Paul had like a little bit of a mullet, but more of a like, I got a day job, so I can't have my hair be crazy. Um, mm -hmm. But they were the job guys, baby faces that that looked good. Who Paul Roma had one of the best drop kicks of all times, right? So, um, and Jim Powers did too. Jim Powers, he he was always in my top five for power slams. He'd whip a guy to the rope and do a power slam. And mm -hmm. then one day, I think it was kind of like what we're talking about. They just put Jim Powers and Paul Roma together to do a job to Valentine and Beefcake or whoever they were jobbing to. And then they did a, the team versus two job guys and the crowd took to them and they gave them a name and gave them a tag. They, they got a push. They, they never won the tag belts. I know they came close. I think it was a two out of three falls match with the heart foundation where they won one of the falls and one of the falls mm -hmm. was a DQ. So they didn't get the belts. Cause it was that, that might've been the bulldogs that one, but, uh, could be, but they had they had tag title matches and they were involved in the greatest Survivor Series match of all times. The the ten team uh, Survivor Series with Demolition and Powers of Pain switched babyface to good guy, bad guy. No, 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 not not that one. They they, they didn't make it. It was eighty seven, the inaugural one. They were in the eighty eight one, but they, yeah. they, they, their stock they, went lower. Yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna give you okay. Yeah, the first eighty-seven, the they won. They won it. They won. The reason they I call eighty-eight better is because Tully and Arn are there. It was their debut yeah. into the WWE. No, no, I'm just saying, but their stock was lower because they got eliminated quicker. Eighty-seven, right. they reached yeah. their peak, winning yeah. and surviving yeah. when no yeah. one thought they could. 
And the funny thing about that Survivor Series TW because they got their asses kicked. They were the job guys on the good guys team. They took the most punishment, but yet, and, and they didn't win. It was the Killer Bees that won it, you know, right. at the end. But it was funny that they took all that. And I, I'm, TW, I'm like this. I'm a fan. I'm 10 years old. I'm looking at this. Right. I'm not. I'm saying this in my head. When are these motherfuckers gonna get eliminated? They never did. <laughs> it was almost like the. So let's say you about the psychology. What, what do you think, in your humble opinion? Let, let's talk about the booking of the young stallions there. What do you think that Vince McMahon was trying to accomplish with the way their performance was? And then at the end, surprising twenty thousand people in in Ohio for them actually surviving with their performance, which the shit was the shits. Well, it's funny you say the next year their stock went down. The Killer Bees won that match, and the next year there were no Killer Bees, and Jim Powers was the job guy on a team of four. Uh, weird team. I don't even remember. I remember it was a baby-faced good guy. Jake the Snake maybe was the captain. I don't know, but Powers looked terrible. But Or not Powers, Brunzel. I don't know why I said Powers. Jim Brunzel. But mm-hmm. he was probably testing the waters. I mean, that was it was 80s. It was pretty boy time. Everybody wants their Rock and Roll Express. I don't know that they, they look more like the jocks than the band, you know, like pretty boys. Mm-hmm. Um, but they probably, I, they were solid workers, man. Like, I, I just, I I don't understand why they didn't do more with them. And, but that said, well, you hit the, maybe, you hit the I nail would on say the head. Paul Roma. Paul, Paul Roma. Paul Roma some people get in their own way, and somehow that guy made it all the way. But there's arguably some, and I think they were tag champs. Power and Glory were they were they ever tag champs? No, they the were always in the. They were in the. Paul Roma was a tag team champion with the Horsemen, not with okay. the, not with Power and but, Glory. But Power and Glory was a solid tag team. People that was Power and Glory. I don't know if it was the same time frame, but they had that same grassroots popularity where. They were heels, but they were they were getting popular more and more, like the Hollywood Blondes were in WCW, where they were just thrown together and just my favorite saying, they made lemonade out of lemons, and next you know, power and glory are they were over. They were so over and so so were Hollywood Blondes. We know mm-hmm. what happened there. They got their feet cut out from underneath them because of Hogan, but Power and Glory. Uh, and then Jim Powers went to WCW, and I think he was part of that Men at Work group. There was like four white meat baby faced job guys that were. I don't, I don't, I don't keep up with the jobbers' experiences. I just know that they he worked. No, you don't WCW remember that team. that group in WCW where it was the four dudes and they wore black jeans and black shirts and they're supposed to be like Chippendales. They were mm-hmm. all pretty boys. It was Mark Starr. I- I didn't Canyon, watch every. I think was Canyon. I might did not watch every one. Saturday night. I could. I or maybe no. Event. They were on. They were pushed. They were. I want to say Bagwell might even have been with with them, but it's funny how that's the '90s and you didn't you didn't watch wrestling and you remember no, this. I started watching and I stopped watching in '94 when I started wrestling. Okay, you don't I don't remember, remember that faction of dudes. I think maybe even Chris Von Erich was in it. It was four pretty boy white guys. They were supposed to be like the Thunder from Down Under. The you know they were supposed to be pretty boys and they all wore black jeans. And I always forget who all was Bill, in it. Bill Shaw did not book right, so I don't care. That's how it, that's, I'll just say that. If he was there, I don't remember that gimmick. It was a terrible gimmick that you yeah. explained to me. I never saw it. I changed the channel. That's how it is. But again, yep. Paul Roma, like you said, probably, you know, the arrogance, the cockiness, you know, rubbed people the wrong way. And, and it, it affected a maybe untapped potential team in the Young Stiles. But... Paul Roma could say, well, so what? I'm a horseman. You can't take that away from him, even though people laugh at that. Can't take away. He was a four, just like you said, 
uh, Brooklyn Brawler is a Heenan family member. You yep. can't take away the horseman. Jim Powers, again, a good hand, did what he was told to do and made a living out of it. So, TW, the floor is yours. Give me a name of a jobber or of any era. Well, you took two of them because those were the two I've been waiting to talk about. So <laughs> it was that. But you know what? You mentioned them earlier, and and I, and I sent the picture to you and Ray, and you guys no sold it. I kept telling Ray, you got to bump Iron Mike Sharp. You got to put Tiger Chung Lee in there. And then I drive getting gas yesterday, and I look, and the name of the restaurant was Tiger Chung something. And I took a picture of it, sent to you guys. And said, look, you can't. Tiger Chung Lee was another guy. And he was a babyface, if I remember correctly. He would never. Always he was never. He was never a babyface. He was Mr. <laughs> he was with Mr. Fuji sometimes. Dude, then there was another Japanese guy that was a baby face. He would always be humble and just lift his hand up and like, uh. And if I, I remember, it was Tiger Chung Lee, man. Tiger Chung Lee, best moment that I can remember is when Hulk, the, the birth of Hulkamania, he got a title shot and he lost yeah. to yeah, Hulk Hogan That's back when on Hogan a Saturday worked. show. Hogan yeah. didn't take time off. So, a, Hogan was a part timer that was there every week, he just didn't wrestle. Well, with that being said, I mean, Tiger Chung Lee, you know, well, that was you know the, what? That we got to talk early... about Brad Armstrong, man. Brad Armstrong did so well this, as a this job the guy. Floor in is yours. Yeah. Brad Armstrong. He so, here's the funny thing about Brad Armstrong. And this, this, this is the whole kiss of death, right? So okay. Brad Armstrong has the pedigree, right? He's arguably, uh, inarguably, fuck that. If anyone disagrees with me, and you, don't even come at me with road dog. Wait, hold, hold your thought for a second. Let me just try to give logistics for Brad Armstrong. From a very prominent was family, from he a very prominent family, yeah, Leon Armstrongs, yep, UWF. He wasn't a jobber. He was a no, former Lightning UWF Express. tag team champion. Yeah. Yep, with the Lightning Express, and with this, again, the NWA, the Crockets, they didn't see no the potential it's, of Brad well, Armstrong politics so because the highest he went was cruiserweight champion. But go ahead, TW. But and he did that. With matches with Pillman because they stole the show. That's why they had no choice. But whenever they did decide to push him, they dressed him up as a Rackna Man or Bad Street or something. They tried to hide him. When he had that fluid motion where you knew it was Brad Armstrong, you didn't even need to see. You know what Brad Armstrong and Terry Taylor have in common? He also was a hippie in the in the late 90s during the Monday Night Wars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Two, two of my favorite guys of all time, Brad Armstrong and, and Terry Taylor. Both of them blind as a fucking bat. Have you ever seen pictures of those guys with glasses on? They're mm, literally thicker, thicker than Coke bottles, man. They were blind as bats. Oh no, I did see Brad Armstrong with glasses. Like the, when he did the interviews as the cruiserweight yeah. champion on Saturday yeah. nights, he had his glasses on. So I remember that very thick as very Coke bottles, fiddly. man. Two, but, remember the glass two liters, them or one liter bottle Fago, crack. But uh, then, but let me ask you this. But listen, for, for Brad so Armstrong, do you really consider? But do you really consider him a job guy? I mean, he, he, he had dude, his he was on every WCW Saturday night getting squashed, and he was so good at it, he got a job in WWE. And then they pushed him in WWE, and then he ended up being a job guy again. Well, again, that could be a conspiracy theory, but I think I can't – I don't know. I just don't call him a job guy. I think he, he was a lower-tier guy. I, I think he's one step he, above well, then if you're If you're, if you're going to say he's not a job guy, then Papo wasn't. Because he was only pushed in other territories. I know. I'm, no, um, WCW, I said, I said, WWF. I said from what he did, I said yeah. from what he did from the ICW days, Mid-South days, and then WWF, he went lower. And then right. the gimmick got him higher. So, you know, some job guys, Reflectionites, you know, their stock went up and down like a roller coaster. But and, they did have their and, moments of glory. But then he could be the guy we transitioned to talking about job guys who broke the mold because you have him. 
you have Canyon. Canyon was a fucking job guy. Then he became Mortis, and then he became he got to be himself. The, to be Hardy, the Hardy Boys. The Hardy were Boys were job guys. Yeah, so um, you know, we, Louis we Spicoli became the, Rad Radford, and then he became Louis Spicoli again. Oh, he's Madonna's boyfriend in WCW, something like that. Um, I, I remember Rad Radford, but the Louis Spicoli I remember was in ECW. So, well, let's not give a lot of names. But who who was Madonna's boyfriend? That was WCW. I don't. Disco I don't Inferno know. called him Madonna's boyfriend. He was in like a little faction with those guys. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll take you where first. Where he I died. Think. He died when he was in WCW. Oh yeah, I know he That's died. That's how of, Scott Demore knows him so well. They were always doing WCW. He together. died of an overdose. But before that, we have to at least talk about another Hall of Famer. He should be in the WWE Hall of Fame. And for the video reflection nights, I'm going to give you a little hint. So TW, do you know who this is? You have to look at the camera. I can't tell if you're looking at the camera. It's got bad news. My kid's pet rat died. So my ex wife oh. asked me to bury it. Oh, God bless. Yeah. It's number five. He was the sole survivor, and now he's done. Who is this? Barry Horowitz. He's not in the Hall of Fame? No, he's not in the WWE Hall of Fame. If it's politics or it's nothing, but he should be in the WWE Hall of Fame in the enhancement wing of the WWE Hall of Fame. He is probably everybody's, if not first, but one of the top three of job guys of all time. Barry Horowitz is legitimately like Glass Joe. He did get a win here or there. And in the global, your favorite organization, he was second, a cruiser. Second. Oh, well, uh, second favorite. But he was a cruiserweight or light heavyweight champion that I can remember. In WCW, he got wins on Saturday night and main events. He was... The, a step above all those Atlanta people or your Scott Demore class, he got the wins against them. So what say you about the contributions of Barry Horowitz? He's a Hall of Famer. Another guy that was over. He he was a guy. And he's always said that he kept his money. Yeah. And and if you are at a show and he walks by you, you were 100% asking for a picture and an autograph with him like you would anybody else. There's no doubt about it. There were other guys that you might not recognize once they got street clothes on and came out and watched the show. Barry Horowitz was not one of them. He looked like one of the Bee Gees. Um, he had color, like, you know, charisma. Um, mm-hmm. He did that pat on the back shit. Barry O, you talked about him earlier this week. He did the big, big, that's Bob Orton's brother, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. They did... They did enough to make you remember them. They they weren't going to win. They knew they weren't going to win. But Barry O, I can't believe I, I swore he was in the Hall of Fame. And I thought, wasn't no, Barry, not Barry O? o Barry, not Barry, Barry O. Barry Horowitz. Horowitz. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. But wasn't Barry Horowitz when 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 Raw made a, a bunch of jobbers? They gave all gimmicks. T.O. Hopper, the goon. Wasn't Barry Horowitz one of them where they started no. putting them over on each other? So it must be the, cool the biggest the big the biggest angle that Barry Horowitz got was in 95 or 96 because i remember this vividly because they they uh they stretched this for a couple of weeks i think on saturday he beat chris candido aka zip of the body donnas he mm-hmm. beat him by a count out one week then he beat him by a roll-up he did the one two three they did the one two three kid gimmick with barry Howards and chris candido it was a shocker that, yeah. you know, Barry Howard's finally you know vince mcmahon said he finally got a win after all this time he beats Chris Candido, I remember that on it played out on Saturday and it played out on Monday. So, so he beat another job guy, like we've been saying. Chris Candido was not a job guy. He was zip. He was skipper <laughs> zip of the body Donna. So he who, who was the other one? Who was the other one? Skip and zip. Who was the other one? Uh Tom Pritchard. Tom Pritchard. Yeah. I know I know my I know my skip and zips. Beverly brother. 
Her heavenly body. Great tag mm-hmm. team. Great tag team. Very good tag team. So let me give another name out there for all the reflect. You know what, TW? Let me let me kind of change it because you actually said it here because we're talking about the nice, like the job guys of today, right? Ricochet. In the last couple, in the last, shut up. But in the last couple of years, one of the biggest kind of job guys that actually got time, he got TV time, he got a great gimmick, and he had a great run, and then he got released from the WWE. I don't know if you're gonna remember this. But he had no chin. James Ellsworth. I remember that. He he beat the WWE champion, AJ Styles, with the help of Dean Ambrose, but neither here nor there. But he got a run. He got a gimmick with Carmella. It worked for he went from job guy like I think he he got he got beat the shit out of by Braun Strowman when he was the monster, the, the legit monster the first time around. And then after that, people just felt sorry for him. But that's the last kind of gimmick of a jobber getting pushed to the moon, if you will, TW. What say you about James Ellsworth, especially in the last five years? Well, there's a new version of that right now. Who's that? Sami Zayn has done that. but He's not a job guy. Word, word was that James Ellsworth came out. I think that was his hometown where he did that first job. And that place took to, to him Bronx so Stone, well yeah. that they're like, we're bringing this guy back. And that's what happened. They brought him back. And... Uh, who was the other guy? There was an. I'm trying to think of another guy that was from that area that that they picked up for a while and then they let him go. Uh, and that one dude, the one that signed the video with uh, Woods and Page, that guy wasn't there long. Um, what was that guy's name? Woods and Page. Who are you talking about? The sex hate dude. Oh, um, oh, with uh, with Page. Uh, yeah. God damn. The name escapes. Go ahead, go ahead. I know but that I guy wasn't he yeah. someone that came in? They liked him, and then they Brad kept him, Maddox. Brad, Brad Maddox. Maddox. They kept him, pushed him for a little bit, and then just let him go because like he never capitalized. Well, again, there's a difference between not being pushed and what James Elwood. He was the last job. Right, he was brought into enhancement. Yeah, right. He, he was really the last him. legitimate 21st century jobber in today's modern era of wrestling that actually worked. So that, that's what I'm trying to give credence to because he followed the moniker of like the SD Jones. He followed the moniker of Barry Horowitz. He got the he got the win. It was prime time, and he got a nice maybe three or four year run with a gimmick. They weren't you wasn't expecting him to win, but he no. he actually was he was an MVP. He helped Carmella become a two time ladies champ or no no a two time Money in the Bank ladies Money in the Bank winner. It was because of him. That he helped Carmella become a champion, so he he you know contributed into the you know on WWE television. So to me, I think James Elvis is the last of the jobbers, or as you say, the enhancement guys. Agree or disagree? I have a different take. Uh, I don't watch it enough to to take to take the the debate, but but yet you remember men at work, and I don't. So it's, <laughs> yeah, I, I I mean he's definitely no no I got one. Oh, thank and God. He's Go from ahead. here. And he's from here. Leon Ooh. Ruff. Leon Ruff? Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, he won the North American Championship yeah. against the Johnny Gargano. I and they that. only had him do that because they wanted Gargano to be a multiple-time. Uh, that was that was a trash uh, thing. That was a trash yeah. work gimmick. But he got it right back, and he lost it again, got it back. But th- that was that was what it was, and fans took to him. He was trained uh, by Truth Martini at the House of Truth, as far as I know, and He's from here. Everybody was happy for him when he made. I've never met him. Uh, but I don't know where he's at now. I think he does Impact, maybe, or NWA. 
No, he does AEW. He does do AEW. Yeah, AEW Dark. AEW Elevation. As Leon Ruff? Yeah. Th- that's all the proof you need to know that he was a child guy because they didn't make him pick a new name. He got to use his real name because they expected it to be a one and done. Um, but I'll tell you what's funny. Uh, recent SmackDown in Detroit, I can't remember who he wrestled. Um, uh, there's a there's a, there's a a real put-together uh, black dude with, with braids or cornrow, whatever the fuck they're called, uh, dreads. Uh, mm-hmm. Cornrows are not dreads. Dreads. Uh, his name's Palmer Cruz. He's from here. And when I went to AEW in June, he wrestled on that, and then he wrestled on um, on the SmackDown in Detroit. Probably did a Raw. They do use a lot of local guys when they do stuff here. Um, so they do have job guys on Raw every now and again, but it's usually to push some other kind of angle um, mm-hmm. or have them do security or whatever. But when Palmer Cruz wrestled on that SmackDown here in January. There was a buzz on the internet. Everyone, everyone wanted to know who he was and where he was from and everything like that. So I'm hoping okay. for big things for Palmer Cruz. So it would be a case of going from doing jobs for both companies because he he did the job for AEW uh, and then WWE. It'd be cool to see someone like that, you know, from here get get some kind of career out of it from doing that, like Leon Ruff did. Yeah. So let, let's uh, before we close because again there's so many so but I don't want to bore this could be a five hour show because it's like naming names but again you got to throw George Wells out there he got a WrestleMania moment too he got the snake yeah he, well that's not a moment Maybe he's laying in the fucking ring with a snake wrapped around him on WrestleMania man that's that, that's that, a WrestleMania payday too you got that's a payday man, but that's right? not a moment I don't know if George Wells wants to remember that kind of moment <laughs> neither here nor there but again there's so many names. We got to give credence to Dale or Dusty Wolf. That man in the 80s, Reflectionites, was he was fat, but he he was not he was not a good fat or a bad fat. He was just like fat. He was so slow. He made the Brooklyn Brawler look like Ricochet. That's how bad Dusty Wolf, aka Dale Wolf, looked like when he was in the ring. And of course, TW's favorite because in the AWA he was a somebody, but in the WWF he was a nobody. Jake, the milkman Milliman, the man who could actually, you know, he takes an ass whooping from someone like Sergeant Slaughter in 1990 when he's an Irish, when he's a, when he's the Iraqi sympathizer. But then in the, in the AWA, he's the catalyst to win for Larry's Legends in the Team Challenge Series. Go figure, Reflectionites. That's how, that's how, that's the funny world of professional wrestling when Jake, the milkman Milliman was a catalyst for one organization, but a jobber in another organization. NWA, I can remember very vividly another famous iconic guy who still wrestles to this day, George South. He, you know, he had the bushy red hair. He occasionally did Saturday morning superstars, mostly WCW. No, he did a lot of the WCW stuff, but I, I know that in his 60s, I think he's in his 60s, he's still wrestling at a high school near you, TW. So, you know, I think he again, has a school. He's one of them dudes that gives out uh, advice and stuff on the internet. Let me ask you but, this question. Let me ask you this question first. Go ahead. Shoot. Let's say, because actually it's funny that you said that, because if someone like George South, if someone like, let's say if they were alive, S.D. Jones or, uh, oh, actually, I can use this name, Johnny Rods, another prevalent yeah, enhancement wrestler. If they have a school, do people flock to it? Why do people flock to those kind of guys as schools? Back then? Back then or even because now if you, if you in would 19, go. In 1990 Wonder, 
When okay. I was trying to look into wrestling, I was no, actually it was ninety because my my tag partner Rico graduated in ninety. There was there was a school. Luthez had a school in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, Al Snow had Body Slammers Gym. I didn't even know about Can Am School until I met Coach Kurt and then got through him. Um, mm-hmm. That dude Larry Sharp or whatever his name was that trained Bam Bam in in Philly or okay. that got Monster Factory. Mm-hmm. Those four, and there was a school in California that I think was Johnny Rods. Those were the no. Old- Johnny Rods was in Brooklyn. Okay, Brooklyn, New York. Was, it was there was someone in California that was a job guy, and those were the only five schools there were. Now there's five schools in Warren, Michigan, right? So now people I don't think would rush to a job guy school, but back then, dude, name recognition is key. Right? Mm-hmm. You think I fucking knew who Luthez was? I knew who he was, but I didn't know who Luthez was. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, he's no like like my favorite jobber. I'm gonna mention. I gotta get him in here. You, you wouldn't you wouldn't go to Luthez, but you would go to maybe Barry Horowitz's school if you because you knew that name weekly. On Hypothetically, I, I yes yes and no. If, if if Barry Horowitz school was closer, I would go. But okay. Luthez, I knew who Luthez was, mm-hmm. but not because I watched him wrestle. He was right. 107 when I was in high school. So I knew who he was. Um, mm-hmm. But Barry Horowitz, I would absolutely. The guy's on TV every week. Why would you not? If you have any business acumen, you're like, you know what? Very least, I'm a, I'm a fucking feeder from his school. His school feeds more job guys. So that would be my job. We're talking in the 90s, right? We're not talking mm-hmm. now. Um, nobody right. wants to. Like right now, I, I would tell you Scott Demore School or, or House, of Tr- House of Truth. Those are the two schools I would tell you to go to because those are the two schools that are continuously book- getting people booked um, on, on bigger stages, right? Obviously, Truth got people booked for Ruth of, Ring, Ruth of Honor, Ring of Honor all time. Scott obviously gets guys an impact, but they also go on to other places and, and end up at AEW, maybe WWE. Um, and then obviously... Um, Cody Hawk, he's someone I've met. I was just having a conversation about him yesterday with a buddy. Uh, I always thought he was kind of shitty to me at some of the shows I went to in uh, Lima, Ohio. But mm-hmm. but when I bumped into him at a gas station the next morning at the show, he was awesome to me. And it made me realize he probably had a lot on his mind at that show. I didn't know at the time that he had a school. Uh, there's someone in WWE right now. I can't remember who it was. It's the whole reason I was talking about the guy. Cody Hawk trained him. And now he's in WWE. So Cody Hawk's a school that, that I would look into. And I'm sure there's schools down, you know, south that, that are reputable. Uh, Ricky Morton. Uh, and then over by you. You just said there's there's Brooklyn. And then I don't think Larry Sharp's alive anymore. But the Monster Factory was a legit school. But there's so many schools that just take your money. They run a show every week at some bar that holds fucking 50 people. And the ceiling's low. And that's all you'll ever do if you go to that school because no one's going to know who you are out of it. And so if anyone listening just does want to be a wrestler, you make sure you meet everybody in the room because you're going to meet someone that's from somewhere else. And then you're going to ask them, hey, can I come with you there next time? Even if you're not booked, just so you can go and meet people. That's that's what it's all, all about. Networking. Networking. So, mm-hmm. so Barry Horowitz having a school, absolutely I'd go. Now, I wanted to add to what you said about Jake Milliman. Um this is one of the reasons why I think I always looked at the AWA is is not WWF or NWA. Jake Milliman, Rock and Roll Buck Zumhoff, Black Bart, y- you name it. They were on top in AWA. They were doing jobs on Saturday morning superstars. And I mm-hmm. never understood it. I'm like, oh, shit, Jake the Milkman's here. And then he just get pummeled. And you're like, what the fuck? 
You know, mm-hmm. then he's over in the AWA running shit. And you're just like, I don't understand it. It's because they weren't making as much money in AWA. So they were taking these job matches and you could back then. Right. So, you know, again, tip for, it's tit for tat. But the, again, just like you said, just like we're trying to, uh, you know, I'm trying to illuminate for all the re- reflectionites. They're the most underappreciated job in professional wrestling for the fans to not to not show that appreciation is the enhancement guy, the job guy, because Vince McMahon, to a degree, appreciated. Crockett appreciated. Vern appreciated, even though they might have not paid him right. But they were very valuable for their top guys to, you know, to to let things marinate, let things cool off. So this way you have that kind of, you know, spacing to get to Madison Square Garden, to get to the Omni, to get to St. Paul Civic Center, because you don't need to, because again, today's 2020 thrust, TW, what are they doing on Raw every week? Competitive matches. What are they doing on Dynamite every week? Competitive matches. So uh, if you see an enhancement match, it's like what TW said eloquently. They're just not booked right now. And then when they're booked, let me just ask you this, because there's a difference, because in the 80s, you saw a maturation, TW. Like I said, the genius. It was a maturation from the leaping, leaping Lanny Popo gimmick. We saw the maturation of Paul Roma. It's kind of like putting, like, let's just say you put you paying your dues to get to the gimmick. But now it feels like, you know, let's just say in January 1st, some, some you know, Joe Schmo is on dynamite losing to Wardlow. But then in February, Joe Schmo is now challenging Samoa Joe for the TNT title. It doesn't make sense. It's right. too quick. So what say you about that kind of logic now instead of back then when it was, you know, you let it marinate. You let it. Well, evol- all you have evolution. to be, all you have to be to be a number one contender to every title, all 72 titles in AEW is to have been recently released from the WWE. Automatic number one contender for every belt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't even have to win the briefcase, right? So, mm-hmm. or the ring. Um, but another another job guy. Look, man, you're not cutting me off. I'm getting this guy's name in, all right. And I'm, I not, ain't even, I'm not even going with this guy first. I'm going with another guy for you because you just said it. The maturation. There was a wrestler who was also a referee. He wrestled as Mr. X. He refereed as Danny Davis. Next thing you know, he's a fucking contract guy. He's wrestling with the Heart Foundation as Danny Davis in the referee Dang, gear. Dangerous, Danny. Dangerous, Davis. Danny Davis. And then quietly goes right back to being. A referee. That's the something that always cracked me up. Like that's like mm-hmm. if Tim Donaghy got reinstated into the NBA after getting fired for gambling, right? Because he Who cost said he the didn't. Bulldogs. Who said huh? he didn't? Who said he didn't? <laughs> but what I'm just saying is the same thing. So mm-hmm. he cost the Bulldogs the belts. Uh, then he's a heel. He's in the Hart family, uh, the Hart Foundation. Uh, he's he's in that, and then he gets quietly is back to being a referee. And he, uh, just so you know. The reason he wore that shirt as a referee, because he was put together, is because he had the tattoo on his arm when he was Mr. X that you could see, and that was a no-no. And and when I first started in the business, I had no tattoos, and I was told to not get any. And I was like, why? I go, because you won't ever get a double booking with a hood. Like, you'd be a job guy with a mask, and then you go over without the mask on, or vice versa. But if you have a tattoo, everyone will know who you are underneath the mask. So that's mm-hmm. why Danny Davis had to wear the long shirt with the right. uh, referee pants. But the guy that I want to talk about, and it was apropos to the conversation we were just talking about with Luthez, a guy who was over back in the day, and this was the other thing, how you became a jobber, was usually you were long in the tooth. You were somebody some time ago. 
But now your job guy was Omar Atlas, who you look just like him with short hair. Carlos Colon and Professor had a baby. It is our Omar Atlas, and he mm. jobbed every week. And he 100% looked like he was 80 years old when he did it. But some time ago, he was going over. And I want to say Rocky Johnson was a job guy when I first started watching. He had already been tag champion and all that. And well, towards the when, end, you, when you pay your dues, TW, everybody pays their dues. You you are a job guy to a degree. Piper, right. you know, when you got started at 15 or 16, he no, was no, a job I'm guy. about the guys that had a career and then ended up being jobbers at the end because no one's pushing that's kind of different. you know. I, I know where you go with that because I you could say did Pe was Pedro an enhancement guy? He was a he was a triple crown winner, right. but then first, he was in the middle of the card. But then he was in the middle of the card losing, but he was losing graciously yeah. to the top. But bad he also guys, so. but he also beat jobbers. That's the thing. He beat mm -hmm. jobbers prominently. It wasn't jobber right. versus jobber. It was Pedro versus already right. in the ring. No, but I'm giving you your example. I'm just saying Pedro. The I'm highest, saying the Omar Atlas went from everything to nothing. So opposite of Ellsworth, right? Or mm -hmm. not Ellsworth, Lombardi. He went from the penthouse to the outhouse. But it's because it's when guys hung on longer than you know than they're gonna get pushed. And the other thing is back back when we started watching Professor, I remember reading an article with Luger or or Hogan. I can't remember which one it was. I'm pretty sure it was Luger. Mm-hmm. Guys didn't start making it until their 30s. Like, right. and you're, if you started wrestling at 20, you didn't do shit till you about 30, 32. Because then you got all like I was thinking about this today about how um, Jericho, right? Um, a lot of these guys that have been around a long time talk a lot of shit about calling it in the ring, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm here to tell you, I've worked way more people, even veterans. Who wanted to call it in the back and then you do it in the ring but not necessarily in the same way like for example me and rico when we first started we had our entire match planned out went out there and wrestled it if we missed one spot rico was done he was lost couldn't do it i'd have to knock the shit out of him with real punches and shit and wake him up and go skip that one and go to this one because he was like oh we got to do that one right because he had mm -hmm. a different memory uh style than i did so but then when i wrestled Marty Janetti, Marty asked me to call it. And I was like, oh, shit, here it is. Because I had always heard about old timers want to call it in the ring, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was always like, I don't know if I ever could call in the ring. Now, after I had been in the business for 10 years, did I call shit in the back and then do different shit in the ring? Absolutely. Because you'd right. feel the crowd and you would change and go, hey, man, do this instead. Do this it's instead. Flu it's fluid. It's, it's fluid. fluid. It's very it's fluid. fluid. So, so Jericho now is talking you know whatever but I, I bring him up because like omar atlas the good thing about him being in a match especially because if guys were green if they were younger because because towards the 90s guys started getting younger they weren't 32 anymore they were 20 like you look at how brock lesnar the only reason randy orton is the youngest world champion ever is because they were so pissed at brock they didn't want him to have that record and they put the belt on randy and it paid of off because he's still yeah. there right um mm -hmm. just like i think i wouldn't be surprised um if Mandy Rose's record, if it's getting broken as soon as possible, because for whatever reason they fucking are embarrassed by her, I think it's unfair because she didn't do anything. No, she doesn't. She doesn't. She doesn't have the record. That's Oscar. But I know where you're going with that. I know. No, no, no. You, yeah, changing the, the, history. The longest reigning tenure champion right now. They're gonna start saying it about somebody else. It was never Mandy. It was Oscar. I know what you're no, talking about with you're the not NXT. Me. They were talking about her celebration of 400 days or whatever. They're gonna do that. And I'm telling you, it was Oscar. She can don't be, worry. 
She could be worry. the longest reigning ever. I'm, not t- I'm talking about her angle was celebrating mm-hmm. each day, getting yeah. closer to something else. They're going to dismiss that and do it with someone else, is what I'm I saying. Know. But mm-hmm. bottom line, um, I don't know where I went off on the tangent because you, you'd asked me something. But um, I'm just back to you, Chip. You you <laughs> talked about Omar Atlas Omar, but teaching no, the young guys. Omar, oh, Omar Atlas in the ring with someone that's green can can general he can be the ring general and be like hey man mm-hmm. do this that and the other thing and no one really killed omar which right. if he was a wcw the nasty boys would have fucking broke him in half like those guys are just assholes right and i'm not afraid mm-hmm. to say it i watched him kill many of my friends when i watched them back on saturday night and it's just like you don't gotta be like that man like i understand protecting the business right but these same guys come down once a month and you kill every one of them like you can't wait your turn to kill the next one and it's just it's shitty because all it takes is me to, like, you know, fuck you and swing back, and then I'm blackballed. And that's why yeah. I think it's cowardice because you're not going to get fired, but I'm never going to get booked again because I stood up for myself. And that's that's one of the reasons why I never went down there and did it. Right. Otherwise, I'd be, a subject, I'd be a subject of this show with you and Travis still doing it. I'd be the job guy. I, I think, in my humble opinion, you it's a what if. I think you wanted to take that plunge. I think you would probably wanted to do it. In New you York. Never I would have done WWF, but he didn't do them as often. And, mm-hmm. But WCW, I knew I would be a piece of meat, and I would probably come back hurt. You would, you could have you could have been at Center Stage or Disney MGM. You would have had a five-star hotel either way. So, yeah, you know, yeah. again, yeah. E- no, either way. No, but but I'm comfortable with knowing that I, hey, I'm good. Just like with, I'd have a, I have a bigger regret of not doing ECW because people talk to me about that. Not offer, I didn't, ECW didn't, I would have fucking did it. But like me sending my shit to ECW, like, dude, talk to him. Okay. I'm like, no okay. interest. Well, we're, we're heading into overtime and I want to close this out right now, TW. So yeah. let's do this. In TW's humble opinion, again, t- you know, for the TN couponers, for anybody, for the Donna Destructors, I know you have yours. Well, what, is, what would be TW's Mount Rushmore of the jobbers? I don't care. It's not It's not about one to four or one to three. Who is your Mount okay, Rushmore? Okay, I'm going to do what I do with my Mount Rushmore of wrestlers. I'm going to put okay. two that were my favorites and two that are icons. Like, okay. That, or or that, I, that I was a fan of, right? This is yours. So, I'm just giving to close right. it out. So just to give you perspective, Sting and Warrior are obviously not the fucking two best technical wrestlers of all time, but they're the two that I'm the biggest fan of. And then mm-hmm. Brett and Sean are the guys I wanted to be, who I think are the two best wrestlers that ever lived, right? Mm-hmm. So when you when it comes to job guys, and, I, and I'm not just saying this because I'm going to pick one baby, one, one heel. I, I'm saying this because from my memory – this guy made me think he was going to win, not just because he recently passed away, rest in peace. Lanny Popple is the babyface first up on the Mount Rushmore for someone who was okay. a job guy who you absolutely thought could win that match. And the second one for me is Larry, is Iron Mike Sharp because and, – and I, I didn't talk about it here, but that's the other match. Him versus Tito, I remember they had a match on Superstars that lasted 15 minutes back when they did the – this match, one fall. Tian Kupaner showed it to us. Tian Kupaner yeah. showed it yeah. to us on Twitter. So, so, so it, that it that exist. match right there was like it's one of my favorite matches of all time because Tito won at the buzzer with the flying mm-hmm. burrito. Um, mm-hmm. but, but Iron Mike Sharp scared me. He made me think he was going to win against my guy, like win Tito's belt or mm-hmm. win whoever's belt. Those are the two I think are just the best at what they did, and it was Lanny Poffo. It was it was. Uh, Le, le, uh, Iron Mike Sharp. Okay. And then as far as my two favorite 
Jim Powers is first. Like he is absolutely my all-time favorite job guy. Um, and just just by association, I'm going to put Paul Roma on there because I almost feel like I willed it into existence. They were my two favorite job guys, and then they, get, they got to be a tag team. So it was awesome for me. And you made me think of a what-if scenario. What if Tom Zink quits and they replace him with Jim Powers instead of Tito Santana? Does Powers and Martel mm. at Strikeforce do well? I think they do because he was like Zink. Tito was no. weird to me. Tito I, was Tito joining Strike Force or not Strike Force? It became Strike Force. Tito becoming we, part. Of we actually answered that question. It wasn't. A, it wasn't weird. We actually answered that question because there was history. It made sense. But they right. didn't. They never booked it. They never booked it to explain it. But right. it did make sense for Tito and Rick Martel. But I go where you go with that. But they so weren't a I, pretty boy team. Is my right. point. They made Tito a pretty boy by growing his hair out and shit. But. He still wasn't a pretty boy. But those are I my think, four. Powers, Roma, not as the Young Stallions, but just individually as job guys. And then well, uh, Iron Mike Sharp and Papo. Well, I don't have favorites for Flexionites like TW, so I'm just going to put my four as the top four ever. I think Brooklyn Brawler is one. I think Barry Horowitz is two. Iron Mike Sharp is three. Not in particular order, but I'm just saying my Mount Rushmore. Iron Mike Sharp is three. And as a four, as a wild card, I'm going to go with the wild card because I'm actually going to say it's a tie with what you're saying with your favorites, the Young Stallions, because Paul Roma and Jim Powers were on every week and they did their thing. They were hands. They were good hands. And of course, they, you know, they did what they had to do. Honorable mention is Lanny Poffo, but again, with the genius stuff. But, I, but for me, I did the job. Oh, I get an honorable mention. You got six. And it's Black History Month, motherfucker. S.T. Jones belongs on one of ours. I thought you were going to use him for sure because I would have put him in instead of Roma. S.T. Jones was someone. Shit, that I thought you were going to put Omar Atlas in your honorable mentions. <laughs> that motherfucker belongs on Star Wars, dude. But, you know? but, but, but anyway, S.T. You know what? I'm pulling Roma out of there. That's why I said by association. S.T. Jones is someone every week that I rooted for and hoped that he would win. So okay. S.T. Jones is on my powers, Jones, Sharp, and Poffo. And you know what? I'll give Johnny Roz and Renee Goulet. <laughs> Duke the Dumpster Dro or not Duke the Dumpster, Duke of Dorchester. What's Duke it? of Dorchester. Well, you know, that guy so was on every pine And I'll even say this, even though he was a tag team champion, the example of what TW said before we close out, Tony Gurria went from up to down. Okay. He was a tag team champion Rick, with, with Rick Martel and then went down, down, down. But he was still a workable Reno hand. Reigns, Brad Riggins. <laughs> There's too many. There's just too yeah, many. But anyway, we close on a very special spotlight. Giving hey, Ray, Ray, time out. Ray, you know how at the end of Batman, there's bodies flying over the top of the Batmobile driving down the road? You should just have jobbers flying over the top of Dude, the road. You already gave him too much work. No, no, no. Ray, <laughs> it's okay. You, get, you did what you had to do. We love you for it. Excellent editing, excellent, excellent videos, excellent montages. And with that being said, we close on this spotlight, giving credence to the greatest enhancers of all time in professional wrestling. So we will be on hiatus. We'll be back in two weeks because the professor is going on the on tour for his real life work. I'm not going to say where because people know if people know me in real life, they know what I do. And they know what's Michigan. No, I'm not going to Michigan, but it, I'm San going to San Francisco, cold, California. I'm going to a cold place, but neither here nor there. But TW, give out those socials so we can get out of here, and we'll be back in two weeks.
already Hameen Media Group at Podbean.com or the Hameen Media Group at ChannelAttitude.com as well. Our show's at PW Reflection on the Twitter. Uh, I mentioned them, so we got to go at Nuts and Volts, V-O-E-L-T-Z-P-W, that's penis with Travis Volts, uh, our good man Ray. We just talked about him. We can't do any of this without Ray. At Big Ray Hernandez, if you're on any social media app, type in search at Big Ray Hernandez. You're going to find him. He's everywhere. He's all over the place. He's he's like top three on Grinder. if there's rankings on there. I'm not sure. Are there rankings there? He's on there. Um, JP, I'm going to give him some. Maybe someone will email him, tweet him, get him to come on the show. He, every now and again, he pops up in our little message group um, at, P, or at the P1JB. And then there's me. <clears throat> Instagram and argument Twitter is at Tommy Wonder 19. Wrestling Twitter and TikTok are at the Tommy Wonder. Snapchat is number wonder. Facebook.com backslash Tommy Wonder. Dumb Dumb Duel and an Idiot on YouTube. Coming at you soon. I might do it next week. I'm going to tell next week on Monday we're going to do it since you and I aren't going to record. Uh, and then Big Vito and his wife, Noel, you can hit them up at bigvitobrand.wixsite.com or patreon.com backslash the Big Vito brand. And by the way, Ray, I noticed you threw him in there in that montage, too. I said, Von Crush, he was in there. Mm-hmm. Well, with that being said, you can find me on my Twitter at PWSOPRF. That's PWSOPROF. And if this gets uploaded by A-Track Brown, this will be available on the YouTube networks, the PWSO networks. Follow my brothers in arms, Billy Ray Valentine at Obi-Wan, you know me, and the king of the reactions, 8-Track Brown at the number 8, T-R-A-C Brown. Again, we'll be back in two weeks because the professor has real-life work duties that he has to do, so I have to take care of that, and then we'll be back in two weeks, and we're going to go episodic, T-W. We are going to give credence to another organization because, you know, they don't get enough burn, and we're going to make fun of this episode. Jeff Jarrett did something. In 2012, he went to India. He had another organization with TNA. It was called Rinka King. So we're going to have fun making fun Rinka of this. King. No, not Rinka King. I just saw your post from one hour ago. Post while we were on here. That's a pretty impressive uh, Hall of Fame class. I didn't mean to cut you off, but it caught my eye. Mm-hmm. Well, with that being said, I'm the professor. That's Mr. Wonderful. WWE's own the Tommy Wonder saying goodnight, and we'll see you in two weeks here at the PWR Podcast at the PWSO Networks at Podbeam.com. Peace! And I'm going to do for Barry Horowitz the back slap. Slap nuts? Slap nuts? That's Jeff Jarrett. Oh, he's a jobber now? That's next week. Add him to another job. In two weeks. See you, Reflectionites.